The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to you for everything that we need. God, we thank you for the truth and the light that you show us in the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning, be with everything that we do. I pray that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to feel your presence here this morning. God, I pray that you would be with me as I open up the Word of God, and I pray that you would anoint everything with your love and with your presence. And God, I pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, my name is Rob Harlan. If you don't know me, Pastor Colin asked me to preach on this particular passage, and when he asked me, I was just overcome with just a sense of honor and gratefulness of the opportunity, because there's very few things that get me more excited than talking about the Word of God, and just sharing the truth that God has revealed in His Word, and teaching and preaching it. There's just something about that that just gets me so excited, and so my hope and prayer is that I can give you the Word of God. You don't need to hear from me this morning. You don't need to hear from the Word of men. You need to hear from the Word of God. And so that's what I want to do this morning. Before we get started, I want to just read the passage and give it some context. I'm going to read John 1. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to John 1. I don't have any slides to share with you. So we'll just be going through this. So if you have your Bibles, that would be helpful. So I'm going to start with verse 1, uh, John chapter 1, and give this some context, and then I'll be covering verse 6 through 13. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So starting in verse 6, I have four points for you all today. I tried to break it down in in the most simplest way possible so that we can actually hopefully remember some of the things that were said this morning and have kind of a clear map of where we're going today. I'm going to be looking at the witness to the light in verse 6 through 8, the identity of the light in verse 9, the rejection of the light in verse 10 through 11, and then the power of the light in verse 12 through 13. In verse 6, Let's just start there, and I want to just go through this, and at the, at the very end, I'll, I'll give some review, and, and we'll look at some points of application to try to put this into the context of kind of the place that we live here in our day. So in verse 6, it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And who is John? 
The book is called John. And then we're talking about a man sent from God whose name is John. So is this the John who, 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 is, who, who is named after the book? The book of John is named after actually the Apostle John, who is a different individual. The Apostle John was in the inner circle of Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John. And this is John the Baptist, who came before all that took place. To give a little bit of context, here we are before Jesus' public ministry has started, and this man arrives on the scene who has a public ministry, and his name is John. And we find out his name means Jehovah is a gracious giver. And I think that's very appropriate because the ministry of John was an amazing gift to the people of God. He came to the children of Israel as a prophet. He was in the tradition of prophets. He was wearing a camel hair. He was girding his loins with a belt of leather. And he was he came eating wild locusts and or locusts and wild honey. And so the children of Israel would have seen that it would have meant something to them. To us, it's like, okay, well, we know his wardrobe and his diet, so what does that mean? Okay, But to them, they would have been like, wait a minute, that reminds me of something. What does that remind them of? It reminds them of 1 Kings 1.8, when they described Elijah the Tishbite. He was uh, performing in ministry in the Old Testament. Elijah the prophet, the king asked him, well, what did this man look like? And he said, well, he was a hairy man. He was wearing camel's hair, and he had a belt of leather. And it was like, ah, I know who that is. That is that's Elijah the Tishbite. He was known everywhere. This was one of the most famous prophets. And so when he came with that sort of ministry, they were like, this is a prophet of God. This is a prophet of God. We haven't seen a prophet of God. They hadn't seen a prophet of God since the end of the Old Testament. So here's this guy coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. So he was not the author of the book, but he begins the book preparing the way of the Lord. He fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 40, verse 3, which says, A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So he was there to prepare the way for the Messiah to arrive. The Messiah wasn't just going to burst on the scene. He could have done that. But there was a there was a person that was sent beforehand to prepare the way so that the so that the children of Israel would be looking for the Messiah. They would be looking for somebody because all these things were happening. We'd have, if we see this guy bursting onto the scene who looked just just like Elijah the prophet. So John the Baptist. That's how we that's how we differentiate him from John the Apostle. This is John the Baptist. He, his ministry was foretold by an angel. So this is a pretty important person. We, we, we read in Luke 1 that an angel appeared to his father while his father was serving in the temple as a priest and foretold the birth of John the Baptist. He was given the name that he was supposed to be given, that is, you shall name his, his, this child John, and then his father ended up prophesying about the nature of his ministry when John was born. There's a lot of special things that, that surround this character. His mother was old. She was barren. She gave birth to, to this very special son. This is a very, 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 very amazing gift that God gave the children of Israel. He came. He was the only witness. He came as a witness. So when we look at this, he came, he came as a witness to bear witness of the light in verse 7, that all might believe through him. I can't help but draw a little bit of comparison, and I'll do this later on in the sermon, but he's very similar to us in that he's bearing witness to the light. He's not the light, but he's bearing witness to Jesus. 
And at this time in uh, redemptive history, nobody knew. Nobody knew who the Messiah was. Nobody knew who Jesus was. We take that for granted. We know who Jesus was, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Joseph, uh, the son of Mary. We know all about him. But think about a time where there was no missionaries. There was no churches. There were no ministries in a New Testament sense. He was the only one who knew who he was. And in Luke, it talks about how when Jesus walked by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when they saw that, they were like, wow, there were some disciples that heard that, and they just started following Jesus. That's the same kind of ministry that we have. We're to come to the world and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because there are still people who don't know who Jesus is. Some people who still say they know who Jesus is, and they still don't understand who he is. His message was simple. If you look at what John the Baptist did, and how he walked, and what he preached, and how he taught, it was very simple. It was repentance, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's it. There was no three points to success. There was no your best life now. There was no easy way to get over this or that. None of that. None of that. He didn't talk about marriage. He didn't talk about money. He didn't talk about success. Jesus dealt with some of those things, but he, he was given a ministry that was very, very specific. And that's all he did. And the point I want to bring out about this is that sometimes our ministry is very similar to that. It's very simple. To some people, they're given the ministry of Ravi Zacharias or Ken Ham, who talks about creationism and how wonderful that is. They've been given that by God. What has God given you? He's given all of us the message of salvation. He's given all of us, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's simple. That's him, Jesus. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we have to say. Because some of us, we make things so complicated for ourselves that we never get around to just saying Jesus is the way. We're at work, we're in the break room, we're out with our friends, and we're like, well, I don't know how to, how to address uh, homosexuality and, and feminism and, and social activism. And uh, I said, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the message that we have? Amen. Jesus is the way. Amen. You don't have to have a degree in political science and a degree in biology and all this. No. You just need Jesus. Jesus is the light. He's the one that brings salvation. And he's the one that's going to bring the answers to all these complex issues. When he comes again, he will put that all to silence. Done. No more disobedience. Done. That's simple. I want to read a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 1.17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians if you want. For Christ did not send, this is verse 17 in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, for Christ did not send me to baptize. See, John the Baptist was also baptizing, but that was the ministry given to Paul. So sometimes this is individual. We'll all find our own voice and what we're supposed to be teaching on. But Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not my words, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. And then again, 1 Corinthians 2.1, he comes back to that same idea. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So when I'm up here nervous and I'm shaking a little bit, hey, if I'm trembling because of 
I, I'm afraid of man, that's in the flesh. But if I'm trembling because I'm handling the word of God, that's actually reverence. Because when you handle the word of God, you will be, you will be judged with a stricter judgment, right? Be not many teachers. So weakness and fear and trembling. This isn't pride. This isn't, he's, he's, he's willfully letting go of the training he would have gotten in all sorts of oratory and eloquent wisdom, sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, he would have had access to all kinds of persuasive techniques. And he willfully set that aside so he could just say, Jesus is the way. Repent and believe. Jesus is the way. He is the Messiah. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and with, of power, so that, the, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He had no scientific message, no statistics, all that stuff. I've heard sermons that go into all that stuff, right? He didn't use that. It, because sometimes, and, and it, doesn't just apply, it doesn't just apply to preaching and teaching and, and, and um, proclaim, proclaiming the gospel. It also applies to all sorts of area, uh, other areas of ministry. It applies to the worship band. It applies to uh, uh, teaching the kids in Sunday school. It, 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 it applies to uh, greeting and all these things because we just need to do what God has called us to do. And many times we start to get our mind focused on us and what we're doing. It starts with godly intent, and then our identity starts to become wrapped up. And instead of having it wrapped up in Christ, it's wrapped up in our title. Well, I'm a... I'm a deacon. Well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I am got to, I said, well, you're a Christian. You're a son of God. That's your identity. That's your real identity. So then, can you imagine if John the Baptist was like, well, I'm, the ba I'm a Baptist. Well, I, I, I'm a voice crawling out in the wilderness. Is this wilderness Is this wildernessy enough? Is this, is, 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 is my camel hair? Like, it, it was all just focused on itself. It's all like, well, I need to, I need to share about money. I need to share about marriage. I need to share about all these other things. No, he just needed to do what God had called him to do. And that's it. His identity was in God and what he had called him to do. And a lot of times we start to get our minds all wrapped up in our identity and our ministry and this and that. Just do what God has called you to do. And then God will look on you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we're going for. Not, well, I feel good about how I did today. Well, I feel good about how, you know, other people looked at me and said, you did a good job today. That's good. It's like, come on. Like, if you, if you allow that to stroke your ego, you are, you are sowing dragon's teeth that will eventually grow into a pride that will make you so vulnerable to what other people think about you that you will be a slave to what everybody else is thinking of you. You don't want to be there. Been there many times. Many, 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 many times. John 12, 49, Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So even Jesus Christ himself limited what he said based on what God told him to say. If the Son of God is limiting what he said based on what God told him to say, then how much more should we? We empty the cross of its power when we focus on self. And that's a huge comfort. We don't have to be fancy. We don't have to do that. We don't have to... We don't have to try to impress everybody else. We don't have to do that. Just set your free self free of that. And that takes the power of the Holy Spirit because the flesh will always be like that. 
Only through his presence can you do that. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was the light. What does that mean? Jesus was the light. He was coming into the world. Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So other places, you know, these people would have been operating in the context of the Old Testament. They would have been like, well, the light, the light, what does that mean? Well, I, there's a psalm about that. They would have thought about that. They would have said, okay, the, the word of God is the light because it brings spiritual illumination. You're in the dark as to everything spiritual without the word of God. You don't understand the purpose of life. You don't understand what happens after you die. You don't understand the difference between right and wrong. You don't understand whether or not there's a God or if there's a God, what his nature is. What's the basis of the judgment? All that stuff, you're in the total dark without the word of God. But it says the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Pastor Collins taught on this last week. Jesus is the incarnate word of God. You see where I'm going with this? If thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and Jesus is the incarnate word of God, then that means Jesus himself is the light. He himself. He's not just bringing light. He is the source of light in himself. Light. 1 John 1, 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus uh, cleanses us from all sin. Physically blind people cannot see things. Spiritually blind people cannot see things. Jesus brought all kinds of light to the context where these um, first century Jews would have, would have been living. They had the Old Testament, which was a tre tremendous amount of light, a, a, amount of light. But Jesus brought a light that was so much greater than the Old Testament. So much greater. He brought the nature of the church to them. Matthew 18. He brought the nature of the Holy Spirit to them. He brought the nature of, he explained the nature of the new birth. You must be born again, John 3. He brought so many things to the light. I, I want to read this one passage. Ephesians 3, 3 through 6. <clears throat> this is the mystery uh, of the fact that you didn't have to become a Jew anymore to, be, to become saved. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, salvation is of the Jews. But the time is coming and now is that God is seeking true worshipers who worship him in, in spirit and in truth. So this was, this was the kind of light that Jesus was bringing. Uh, Ephesians 3, 3 through 6. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you know have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that, that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in, order, in other generations, and it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Jesus Christ, through the gospel. Jesus brought the nature of salvation to us. Think of it. Unbelievable light. Hebrews 1, 2-3, the identity of the light. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the, the radiance of his glory and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down 
at the right hand of the majesty on high. So his identity as the light, it goes beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Did they really know that when the Messiah came that it would be God in the flesh? Maybe. There was, there was definitely teaching of that in the Old Testament. Emmanuel, God with us, and, and all these other passages. But now we see this light that he brings. He is the creator. He is prophet, priest, and king. He is the atonement. So all the sacrificial system, all the way down, not until Isaiah do we start to really get the hint. Wait a minute, maybe, maybe the Messiah is, is, is going to be a, is going to be sacrificed. Isaiah fifty three, right? By his wounds we are healed. Jesus manifests this light to us. That means he realizes. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The identity of the light is Jesus Christ. I know. We take these things for granted, but they weren't known necessarily. It wasn't clear. It was known, but it wasn't known. You know what I mean? It was there in the Old Testament, certainly. But Jesus, when he finally came and and he sent his spirit, all of a sudden, he's God. He died for our sins. He's sending his spirit. He's bringing a kingdom that's not physical at first. He's bringing a spiritual kingdom. The, the, the spirit of God is within you. They didn't understand that. They were expecting a, a, a political messiah. And that's it. So that's the identity of the light. The rejection of the light. So that sounds really good, right? Wow, he's the expressed image of his glory and all that stuff. It should have been really great, but it wasn't, was it? They ended up crucifying him. He was rejected. <clears throat> Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, Yet the world did not know him. He was the creator. He was the one that, that hovered above the waters and said, let there be light. And there was light. And then when he finally came in the form of a human being, after hundreds of years of prophecy, foretelling that he would come, where he would be born, where he would come from, that is, I will call my son out of Egypt, and that he would live in Galilee, and there were prophecies about that too. Prophecies upon prophecies. They did not recognize him and they rejected him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Um, he came to the temple. They rejected him in the temple. He came to his hometown, Nazareth, and they rejected him in Nazareth. We see in Mark 6 his rejection in Nazareth. Nazareth. But I think there was something that probably hit Jesus probably even closer to home. And that is, his own family rejected him. And you can, and you can miss it if, if you don't read really carefully. In Mark chapter 3, there is a discussion in chapter 3, verse 31. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they sat and called him. And the crowd standing around him said, Your mother, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my, who, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat with him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. It's like, why would he say that? Well, there's a little bit of clarity up in verse 21. And his family heard it, that he was in Galilee again. They went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. It's easy to miss because there's a discussion right between that verse and a discussion about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. 
so you can miss it. So it's like, what in the world? Jesus was not believed in by his mother and brother. He had four brothers. She probably brought them all with her, and four against one. There's a reason why he didn't go out there, right? So if you ever feel like, man, sometimes when I'm with my family, things don't go too well. You know? Sometimes, you know, Uncle Uncle Bob or, you know, these guys, they come down on me, man. I mean, I'm just trying to, like, share a little love of Christ. And, man, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. And you're not alone. Jesus was also like that, right? Jesus was also like that. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't real popular in Nazareth. And one of the gospel accounts, they took him to the edge of a cliff. They were trying to throw him off. That's not just disagreeing with somebody. That's some serious hate. In verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. God looked down and he, from heaven and saw that we needed help. He, he took on flesh like one of us. He came to us, and we murdered him. It wasn't just that he came to his own. <clears throat> he came to the world. He was the Messiah for the world. So I love the fact that in the story, we are, we're privy to the fact that the Jews didn't did just kill him. They, they put up. They, they, they used the, gover the Roman government to do it. This is the government that basically was ruling over the known world, right? So this is, this is the government that's ruling over, ruling over the civilized world, the emperor, represented by the emperor of the world, and they put him to death. So now you can't just say, well, it's God's people, it's the Jews. You know, they're a stiff-necked they're people. It's, you know, no, 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 we were all there. Look, if you think about the, the, the Roman legion that would have put him to death. 6,000 men, from my research, it's about a Roman legion, one of them stationed in uh, Jerusalem. The detachment of troops that put him to death, there's a very high probability that in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, there would have been a member of every single race in that group putting Jesus to death. Palestine isn't that far from Africa, and there could have been some African dudes in there. That's not that far from Asia. They called that area kind of Asia Minor-ish, right? The Middle East. There could have been Asian people there. There were definitely European people there. It's the European-type empire. Every one of us was represented. Probably every one of us has an ancestor somehow linked to that group of people who were just nailing him to the cross. And the world put him to death. Doesn't it, it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? When you think about this world and you look at the news and you're watching everything that's going on, of course if God came here, we would probably murder him. Yes. That's who we are. We're the type of group of people as a group that would murder God if he came. It's, it's very dark. It's very dark. But we have to paint a dark picture if we're ever going to understand the light of the cross. We're going to have to, we have to look at what it is. The, the Bible calls us, calls us children of the devil in John 3 10 by this is by this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother children of the devil spiritually speaking children of the devil we have more in common with the devil even though we're made in the image of God spiritually more in common with the devil to the point where God calls us children of the devil Okay, so things are looking pretty grim at this point. We put to death the Son of God, and then God is referencing us as children of the devil, killing, hating, raping, 
There's starvation, wars, and on and on and on. We have a fallen nature that is the root of all these things. Our nature is evil. So even if you were ch chained up and you were not allowed to sin, if you were kept sedated and you couldn't really think, your nature, even though you weren't actually committing any outward sin, your nature is sinful. You have a sinful nature that needs to be the, the nature is saturated with, with sin. So, where does that leave us? If God had, if, if Jesus Christ had died on the cross and just went up to heaven and there was nothing else, you'd be like, wow, we're in big trouble. As a race, as a human race, we're in big trouble. We killed God incarnate, and now what do we do? But it, the story doesn't end there. We have the power of the light, verse 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Praise be to God. All who received him, he made a way for us to receive him. How do we receive him? Belief in his name. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, what does that mean? Because there's a temptation to say, well, if you look at the evidence, you know, it's reasonable to believe that Jesus was who he says he was, and I believe. Right? Have you ever met somebody like that? And you're kind of like, oh, well, praise the Lord. And then you see them go off and do, you know, live a life that has nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do. What does that mean? It means that an intellectual understanding of the gospel and saying, well, I believe the evidence, I guess it's true. And then going off and do, that's not what belief here means. Belief is not just a mental, intellectual uh, agreement with a doctrine. It's faith. Faith is when we actually trust in the cross's work for ourselves. And then we walk in that. It's not through works. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that is the transforming thing where we see our lives as now belonging to Christ. We're going to be his now. We're going to follow him now because we believe. We believe. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual thing that because we are spiritually dead, Ephesians 2, it has to be a work of God. It cannot be. It cannot be just me up here preaching and you listening, and you being like, well, I guess that sounds pretty good. I think I'll go with what that guy says. It's got to be a work of God. It's got to be a miracle. It's got to be a regeneration. It's got to be something that's got to be absolutely miraculous and supernatural. And those who have been saved know that it is supernatural. It's not It's not of the will. Like, as we go on here, um, who were born not of the blood of not of blood, that is race, you don't have to be a Jew, nor of the will of the flesh. So it's not our will. We're not like, yeah, I want to I will this of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's God's will. Sounds like we need to call out to God, doesn't it? If it's not us and we need a supernatural work, sounds like we need to probably get on our knees and be like, God, please help me. God, transform me. I believe this stuff intellectually, but there's been no transformation. 
I need your transforming power to change who I am so that I can actually live in the light and, and, and manifestation of the light and presence of God Almighty, His Holy Spirit anointing me. And the sin that's in my heart repented of and dying to that. So, so over that. So over that that we turn from it. We turn from it. Right says gives us the right to become. What does that mean? I always thought that was weird. It's like the right. It doesn't sound like maybe that's the best translation. So I looked it up. Um, uh, the word is exousia in the Greek. It's a legal term um, that they would have used if somebody has the right over a land or the authority over a particular group of people or something like that. They would have that. They'd have exousia over that. We have exousia, like right to an inheritance. So when we stand in the courtroom of God and the gavel comes down and we're in Christ, it says adopted by your heavenly father. You were children, you were children of the devil, but now you're, chi you're a child of God. You have the right to claim that because Jesus Christ died on the cross and took the penalty that you deserved, and now his righteousness is put onto you. You have the right to claim that. So, well, I, I, I claim the right of, of, of Jesus. I, I, I claim perfect righteousness so I can go to heaven. Based on what? Based on faith in what Christ has done on the cross on behalf of his people. Note that the patriarchs never really... Now, when you read the Old Testament, it's definitely there. It's, it's, there, in it's there in symbolic form. Like, you know, um, Abraham takes his son up Mount Moriah, puts him on the altar. Like, wow, what a picture of Christ. But Abraham didn't think that up. He wasn't like, oh, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And then, and then the Lord will answer my prayer and send us a Savior. No, he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing. He was like, I don't want to do that. People saw the, the sacrificial system. They didn't make it up. Remember, back in the garden, it was fig leaves. That was our idea. God had a different idea. He, 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 he killed an animal and covered us in animal skins as a picture of the coming atonement. We still didn't understand it. Even then, it was kind of like, okay, well, this is better than fig leaves, right? That's it. That's it. You don't see like the patriarchs being Dear God, please send us a savior. If they were doing that, it was a political savior. They didn't even understand. It seemed that our biggest problem is our sin. They didn't, they were always praying for these other things. It's not until you get through the Psalms, you start to see that. Because the Holy Spirit came down on David so powerfully that he would say, blessed is the person who God does not impute iniquity, that is their sins. He was it was starting to come, it was starting to be revealed that our biggest problem was not the Amalekites or the Philistines or the, uh, or the Amorites or all, any of those people. Our biggest problem was our own sinful heart that would even cause those problems to begin with. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. And there's always a tendency to turn away from that verse in, in the flesh and, and try to do it on our own. It's always like, well, I need to read the Bible. That's what I need to do. I need to read the entire Bible. 
And then, and then, then I'll pray for forgiveness. I know what I need to do. I need to, I need to get back to church. I, I, I haven't been to church in like 10 years. I can't, I'm not going to pray. I, I got to go to church first, read the Bible, and then uh, I need to tithe. I need to tithe. I haven't tithed in years. I got to tithe. God's not going to hear my prayer because I haven't tithed. And, 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 and this and that. I'm sleeping with my girlfriend and I got this and I got that. And I got No, you come to Jesus. That's it. You, and, then, and, you, and, and you know that you're going to have to repent of those things, right? You got to count the cost. It's not just easy stuff like, well, well you know, he can be savior, but he, he doesn't necessarily have to be your Lord unless you really want to take, you know, level two. No, 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 no. He is Lord. If you're accepting as a as savior, you're accepting Jesus Christ as Lord because that's who he is. So, but come to him. To try to take care of all these other things, we're complicating and relying on ourselves, trying to get ourselves in the right mindset, and just trying, and it's all focused inward on us. The focus is not here where all the sin is. The focus is out, up on the at the right hand of God the Father, where Jesus Christ stands with his arms wide open, inviting sinners to himself. That's the source of grace. There, not here. There. Come to Christ. He said, he, he yelled out uh, uh, to, to the children of God in Jerusalem, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy, heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest. Turn to Jesus. Remember that the power of the light is so strong. It's so strong. That it can overcome even your darkest thoughts. Even your darkest fears. Everything that you have, you've done or possibly could do. If you have any inkling at all to come to Christ, it means that you haven't committed the, the unforgivable sin, if you've ever studied that doctrine. That's for people who would never think, this, this is a joke. I know some people, if they knew that I was standing here on this stage right now, <clears throat> saying this stuff, they'd be like, are you serious? I'm never going to talk to that guy. <laughs> I know people who would probably think that, right? So, this this isn't for the smart. This isn't for the people who are cool, the actors, right? That God invites all people. It's not like actors can't come, but it's it's for the people, it's for the people who are who don't who look at themselves and say, "Yeah, I'm just this dude that I don't have anything to bring." Right? I don't. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any righteousness. I, I can't. I, I'm not cool. I'm just. I, I'm not smart. I'm not strong. And Paul writes. You see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise, not many noble, not many strong are called. But God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Amen. So in summary, we saw the witness of the light. John was a witness. So are we. The identity of the light in verse 9. Jesus is the light. The rejection of the light. Verse 10 and 11. We have rejected him as the human race. The power of the light in verse 12 and 13. Jesus has the power to save us through his death and resurrection. Just a couple more thoughts of application. Witnessing. Don't be afraid to witness. Just tell him your story. That's it. That's all you have to do. Just tell him what, how you came to the Lord. Even a new... Even a new believer can just say, hey, you know, I don't really know what you're going through, but I, I, I can tell you how, how it worked for me. I, I, 
I was in this in some of the same things and I and I came and I came to this, this service and I, I I prayed to God that he would save me and he did. He actually did save me. He, he brought life, new life to me. And if they reject you, point number three, they rejected the light. They rejected Jesus. Don't be discouraged when somebody rejects you. If your family rejects you, if your spouse rejects you, if your kids reject you, if all these people reject you. Remember, it says in the Bible, wide is, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's not a discouragement to say that most of the people that you're going to talk to are going to probably reject the light. It's not supposed to be a, a discouragement. You could take it as a discouragement, but that should be an encouragement so that when you reject it, you be like, I was told about this. I was told <laughs> that they would say this. But I'm going to tell them anyway because I am called to that. Jesus is rejected. Matthew 10, 25. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So Jesus was saying, look, they called me a son of the devil. So what are they going to call you when you start doing the same things? They're going to treat you the same way. Jesus is the light. No social activism solving problems are going to be the answers to the world. They're not going to do it. It's not going to work. There are a lot of very well-meaning people out there who are trying to save the world from the world. They're trying to save the planet from us destroying it or from us destroying each other. It's not going to work. I skipped to the end of the Bible and I, I, I read the end. If, you, if you're ever confused about where we're going, go to Revelation 21 and 22 and read them. They're like, that's the end. I know the end. So I know that we're not going to achieve world peace in any way that looks like godliness. I know we're not going to solve all these problems of hunger and pollution and on and on and on and on and on. Sin, really, that's a problem, right? We're not going to solve those problems. We might put a band-aid on those so it looks like they're solved, but it's never going to solve the real problem that we have in our heart is sin until Jesus arrives on the scene and he remakes the world. The power of the light. Don't be discouraged because the word of God is powerful and sharp, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. There are people that you come in contact with that will come to know Christ. I, I can say that because God says um, that he has prepared, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has already predestined the good works that we will walk in so that we can walk in confidence and say, I don't care if there's uh, opposition, I know that God is going to allow me some success because his word does not return to him void. When you look at the, 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 the ministry of the Apostle Paul, we sometimes put it in a context of, of sensationalizing it as if he was some uh, incredibly popular preacher. He was, he was, a, he was a popular preacher. But, but you look at, if you look, actually look at the numbers, he's going through Iconium and Derby and Lystra, and all these things. It's like, did all those people really turn to the Lord? Read the book of Acts. They tried to kill him, and they tried to lie about him, and they stoned him, and they beat him, and all these things. Yes, he was successful 
and we should look at that too and apply it to us. Like if we're if we're successful, if, if we're if we're faithful with God's word, He's going to give some success because His word does not return to Him void. So as we move forward and we see opposition, everybody gets opposition. Jesus did, Paul did, Peter did, all these people. What's the win rate? I don't know. I don't know what the win rate is. Sometimes there have been amazing revivals, and we may see that in our lifetime. But you're going to have opposition, and you're also going to have God use you. God coming on you in an anointing power and working through you by his spirit. And you're going to see wondrous things done through you, not by your own power, through you in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be like, praise the Lord, that wasn't me. I was just there. I was just there as his mouthpiece. And I just, I was just there. He gave me the power to do it. And these people came to the Lord. The rest of them hated me and hated God. But look at these people. These people. So we have a lot to be encouraged about. We have, we have a perspective that we have to put into our minds. And we have to always bring it back. Always bring it back. Jesus Christ on the cross. End of Revelation. And everything in between. It's all there. And so when we're in the fight, and you're sitting there in the break room at work, and everybody has got their knives pointed toward you because you said something that was politically incorrect, then you can remember, oh wait, this was supposed to happen. It happened to everybody else too. And when Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when they, when they say all manner of evil things against you, blessed are you for so they said against the prophets who were before you, right? Blessed are you when they speak all manner of evil against you. Be encouraged. There's so much to be encouraged about. Jesus is the light. Turn to him. Jeremiah 29, 13. I think I already read this, but I want to just read it one more time. You will, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Keep seeking him. Just keep, keep, keep seeking him. If you, if you have a doubt in your heart, I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't see a real transformation. Don't just toss up a prayer every now and again. It says, it, you, you will find me if you seek with me. You will seek with me with all your heart. All your heart. Does that mean, you know, <clears throat> praying for six months? They don't want to play, pray for six minutes. Six minutes, it's like man, I've been praying forever, and the Lord just doesn't, doesn't fall on me with power. It's like six months, I got six years. Well, what kind of power do you want to fall on you if you prayed for six years and the Holy Spirit came on you with incredible power and incredible presence? Wouldn't it have been very much worth those six years of prayer, pray and fa- praying and fasting where you saw nothing? Right? Jesus lived all this time on earth, all the way to the age of 30, and finally, right. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Where are you at? Are you willing to seek God with all your heart? Are you willing to pray and say, God, I don't don't have, I know there's more. Are are you there? Please, please come to me. Transform me. Make me somebody that you can use. Make me a light in the world. I don't care about the persecution. Make me a light. Make me somebody that you can use. Are you willing to labor with God in prayer for that? It's my prayer that that every single one of us knows him 
Those of us who are saved, that you know his power. Those of us who think we're saved, but we know we're not, that you come to know him for real and to, and, and, and to experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Transformed from the, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I love you all. And I want, I want nothing more than God to, to bless us and to make us what he wants us to have. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.